We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order. We're gonna, there's going to be a new world order out there. If it snaps into place with an all-digital financial system, including CBDCs, they will convert our home, our car, and our communities into digital concentration camps. I got plenty of words for you, but at the end of the day, fuck you and your new world order. All your rights go away like that. And that's why I need to wake people up. And we need to go onto, onto the offensive because people are, are asleep on this issue. They are not realizing what's, what's at stake here. That gun control is getting stricter and stricter and governments are getting more tyrannical, more tyrannical. China's already a fucking living nightmare. We gotta go on the offensive, man. Time is running out. It's an extreme dystopia out there. Fuck this dystopia. We're fucking gun control. Um, the, the line that will define those who are free and those in the modern gulags is gonna be those who hold Bitcoin and those who do not. I just don't think there's a centralized solution to a centralized problem, to a problem of centralization of money. Think about what if you could get an audience yelling in the Fed, in the Fed, and then they could all go home and individually exit themselves from the monetary system. One at a time. Then does it matter that we audited the Fed? Who gives a shit? I audit Bitcoin. It's free or die. It's not empty words. We're impossible to stop. Welcome to Toxic Airwaves. This show is presented by Dennis Porter and our main sponsor, Dirtbags Bar. So big thank you to them for making this show possible. How are you doing tonight, Skeev? Doing pretty good. Yeah. Big fan of Dennis Porter and all the hard work he's doing. He just, uh, you know, he's really representing freedom. He just got a job at Compass Mining. Uh, big shout out to him. One of the most authentic and honest companies in the space. At Compass Mining. So, yeah. So, yeah. The title of tonight's episode is uh, Statism is a Moral Deficiency. Uh, looks like we got Chris and Lurk in the chat. Lurk says the state hates you. Um, and thank you, Dennis. We love your support. Oh, and we got Don. And everybody's in the chat tonight. Um Don's been drinking IPAs so that he can uh, try out for the UPenn swim team. Dang. Good luck to you, Don. Um, but yeah, statism is a moral deficiency. I think, uh, Ski, if you had a tweet a while ago that statism is a, a mental illness. Um, so I'm kind of going off okay. that. It was when, I don't know, not the most recent round of Space Boy crap, but uh, maybe a previous round of it. But I don't know, just making the point that like his, his whole framework for understanding the entire, the entire problem is through the lens of state power and how it gets used. And I don't know, my, my, my only point was it's like step zero for him having a perspective that's even worth entertaining is abandoning that entire framework because it's fundamentally, it's like, it's not just a moral deficiency, like it's a, it's a mental deficiency 
to like still hold on to this idea that there's such a thing as political authority. Yeah. In my humble and correct opinion. <laughs> yeah, I mean Yeah. I mean you could go either way. I I'm taking the route. I think this is gonna be my more of my uh the way that I address this issue as, as it being a moral deficiency uh rather than like lack of mental capacity, even though both might be true. Um and I just say that because, you know, you it's, look it's at basically like okay. like not not going through the logical step. Like something as simple as like the most most dangerous superstition book. Like there's, I don't know, to me like there's a very clear logical progression in it. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we uh, we're gonna win this one, and one of the reasons why is because we have the best marketing team possible in the world, which is the government itself. The state hates you. And they're the best marketer we have for anarchism, for sure. The more tyrannical and violent they get, the more people realize how dangerous government is. But, yeah, as far as it being a moral deficiency, I mean, you, you just, like, look at what's going on right now. You know, it's pretty interesting ta talking to status. Uh, Lynn Albrecht was in town the other day. I got to hang out with her again. Always awesome seeing Lynn. And just seeing what they did to her son uh, and just how absurd that is. And, you know, Ross is well known. He did something really cool. Uh, but there's a lot of people out there that are just running away in cages for very little reason, uh, having done nothing morally incorrect Uh just objectively, you know, maybe subjectively, you know, there's an argument there, but it's rather silly. Um, we'll get into that in a little bit, but, you know, just seeing what's going on there of like people sitting in cages right now in states where pot is legal serving life sentences is uh, pretty mind boggling. And when you break down, you know, the morality of a situation like that of, you know, these people making a consensual decision without causing any harm to anybody around them and having acts of violence committed against them as a result for it. It's a rather, rather silly uh, system. And if anybody else did it, if I went and did it to my neighbor, committed an act of violence against them because I deemed it inappropriate for them to be uh, smoking pot or growing it or whatever, um, that would be, you know, absurd, but yet so many people in our society support this institution, which is government, to go do that and consider it a net positive. Um, so. Young Lurk says, Don's been prepping with Plan B and birth control. But, yeah, I mean, this is a pretty serious issue we have to address. And I think, like, I don't know. Ski, if you want to go into uh, what the most dangerous superstition is about, why you think that's a powerful book? Uh, yeah. 
Well, I think I guess what what I was thinking off of what you're saying was that it's like that's why the solutions are so important. Like that's why like us showing people how to exit that whole system is so important. Like I've been kind of kicking around on, on Twitter this idea of like a, a booth at the farmer's market that's related to Bitcoin just because that crowd is just so primed for for using freezing Bitcoin. But it's like you know, and I was thinking like it, not not like have a big banner that says Bitcoin, but have a big banner that says like why are prices going up? Like, why is shit so fucking expensive? Like something like, like not, I don't know. Cause like, that's like a real, a real, real basic framework kind of in the, the sort of software world. It's like you want to, you want to present a, a solution, not like a tool. Like you don't assume that like your tool fits their solution. So it's like this idea of like at least providing a framework for people to understand because everybody knows that grocery bills going up. Like everybody can see that, and so it's like provide a framework for for how to understand why that's happening, which obviously naturally leads into Bitcoin and the the little Azteco terminal right there where people can buy for cash. <laughs> Somebody just sent me sixty nine sats. Big thank you. Yeah, it's fun. I have this like little pop up thing on here. Oh, hobo's here. Yeah, no, I I think it's important to go into those communities that are already primed instead of going and trying to convince a bunch of status uh, that, yeah, I don't know. I, I just... And, and, and I think use the, like, use the clown world, you know, like, use, use the thought, like, not as a, you know, oh my God, this is so terrible you know, oh my God, you know, the state, the World Economic Forum, blah, blah, blah. But, but like, use the clown world, clown, blah, blah, use, you know, the clown world stuff as an advantage. Talking to somebody, it's like, you know, come at it from the perspective of, like, oh, this is so, this is hilarious. Like, this is ridiculous. Can you believe they're trying to do this? Like, thank God we have this other option. And then, it's, I don't know, put, I don't know, like, I, I, I often will, like, frame things in terms of where, like, if somebody's disagreeing with me, then they have to basically defend the status quo. They have to defend all this bullshit going on. They have to defend, you know, $6 trillion coming out of nowhere. They have to defend, you know, the government having no option other than to just print a fuck ton. You know, it's just, I don't know, it's more fun than anything. But I think that can be a helpful way to approach it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so kind of getting into... You know, the whole Gladstein situation. So Gladstein likes to create this dichotomy uh, that I've noticed in all of his debates. And it's essentially that the only two options in the world are democracy or dictatorship. And that democracy is somehow advantageous to dictatorship because people have more of a voice in that society. And I would, I would disagree starting off on that premise of like in a dictatorship, there's one person to kill, um, to remove that threat. And so therefore, you know, monarchy or dictatorship is probably more advantageous, uh, than a democracy where you have a large portion of the population saying idiotic things like we are the government, um, and supporting the system. Um, so I'd like... So that's one thing. Um, but one thing that Gladstein, I haven't seen address yet, is, you know, ultimately, like, what gives government a legitimacy 
in the first place? Like why, why is the system appropriate or uh, justified? And, you know, he kind of alludes to the reason why democracy is justified because it's a lesser of two evils. And I think that's an awful argument uh, to be starting from, you know, ultimately. But you have to go, so like, you know, your typical statist um, talks about the Constitution quite a bit and the legitimacy of the Constitution. And, you know, one thing that we have seen a lot today is there's a lot of things happening that are very unconstitutional. Uh, And even things that are constitutional oftentimes are just blatantly evil um, and morally incorrect. And so it's kind of a poor starting point. But when you go and you look at the history of the Constitution in the United States and you look at, uh, you know, the the founding and and signing of it and, uh, you know, what was going on there, ultimately, like, the Constitution was a form of subjugation of the majority of the people in the United States. You had a small group of oligarchs or, um, you know, influential people that got around the table and decided this is the form of governance that we're going to have for a bunch of people uh, in a given territory. Uh, some that, you know, don't really care and some that were actively exploiting uh, through things like slavery or just blatant conquest. And so it's just kind of a, you know, and you get, go back in the history of it, of the signing of it, it, it could be argued from the very get-go that it's not legitimate um, from that standpoint. And then you look at today, uh, none of us were around for the signing of the Constitution. None of our parents were. None of our grandparents were. And there was no formal agreement that uh, we ever entered into with our government. Where it started from was when we were kids, and this is for the same for our parents and our grandparents. Uh, we went when we turned, uh, when we got to kindergarten, we went to a public state funded school. We were taught that this is the best, most freest system in the world, uh, that there's something um, extremely unique about our form of government and constitution. And there's something admirable, admirable about all of this. Um, and so this is, you know, a big re and then that's reinforced through culture, um, because everybody else has gone through that same brainwashing. And then it's also influenced by, uh, media, uh, quite a bit. And so we're bombarded with this worldview, uh, that is very, very ideological and very, um, I, I would say just completely false and far off from the truth. And this is why we see, you know, statism so rampant um, in our country right now. And other forms of government are completely, uh, or governance or, or cooperation are completely uh, trashed. And, you know, you see this all the time in media where, Anytime something bad happens, there's a protest or something like that. Uh, they'll say it was anarchy. It was terrible. Um, 
And I think that's done very uh, intentionally. But um, now I'm just rambling. But they're failing so hard, and that's what's cool to see. <laughs> like People, I don't know, more, as it gets more and more ridiculous, like it trips the threshold of what it takes for somebody to wake up. Like for tons of people, it was 2020. For a lot of people, it was 2008. You know, it's just for a lot of people, it was 9-11. You know, it's just, yeah, more and more people figure it out. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think something that's hard for people to grasp is just how we, how what we're seeing and, and, and what their world views are, are curated and, and manufactured that they haven't come to these conclusions based on good information, but instead by curated information. What, and that's, that's something we've talked about on here is this is what's so powerful about Bitcoin as a, like looking at it through the paradigm of like a social movement or something like that is it's the first one there's ever been that has no concern for a majority opinion. that has no concern for, <clears throat> you know, for, for the views of, you know, the mob, the masses, whatever. I mean, it's like even like, especially the civil rights movement, that was a huge component of it was, you know, we can't just, you know, we can't just change the law of words on paper. Like we need, we need, you know, everybody, we, not everybody, we need a lot of, we need the majority on board with this. And Bitcoin, we have no need for the majority. Like we have a totally parallel society that exists today and is just getting bigger and stronger. And that will continue growing as people figure out whether or not they want to opt into that or stay poor. Yeah. And it's one of the things that's beautiful because we're going to watch all of these, these people try to come into Bitcoin and influence and change the rules to a certain degree. And we're watching this happening with uh, the ESG movement and they're going to fail miserably uh, because that's not how it works. I mean, like the reality is it's very easy to present this idea that you can come to some sort of consensus with millions of people. And the reality is you can't even come close to consensus with millions of people, uh, let alone 90%. And this is a big reason why, you know, government ultimately is, or democracy in general is just kind of a silly, silly concept. Um, and it is, yeah. It's going to be a major wake up call for a lot of people. It's pretty exciting. I mean, I, I featured Jay Stark in the beginning of that of that intro and he's such a powerful figure because he I mean that guy's influence is going to be amazing like it already is in the in the 3D gun printing world but uh that guy has truly a, been a revolutionary with with what he's accomplished and he had that attitude of you know I'm not here for compromise um we're going to use this technology that can't be censored and it's going to radically change everything uh, for forever. What did what did you put? Got to stay on brand. I put some Ted Kaczynski quotes in the uh, in the nest. Yeah. Leftism is a totalitarian force because of the leftist drive for power. The leftist seeks to satisfy his need for power through 
identifications with the social movement. Uh, and he tries to go through the power process by helping pursue and attain goals of the movement. But no matter how far the movement has gone in attaining its goals, the leftist is never satisfied because his activism is a surrogate activity. That is the leftist real motive. Uh, it not is not to attain the ostensible goal goals of leftism. In reality, he's motivated by the sense of power he gets from struggling for and then reaching a social goal. Um, it keeps on going. So I think like the, you know, the response to what's happening right now, you know, cause what we're watching, I've mentioned this a few times on the show is like, I don't think the answer is to go out and support the right because they're a little bit better on certain issues that we care about. Um, I think the right is equally as terrifying as the left, even though, you know, for the time being, they're a little bit more like, or um, enjoyable to associate with. Because uh, their values are slightly more aligned with us, um, but I think the response is like ultimately to, to be defensive and really empower individuals to step out of this paradigm as much as possible, uh, which is like seeking to dominate and control each other. Because this is like the terrifying thing of, of people on the right is that's that's ultimately their goal is to dominate and control people. Um, and you just see that in the response of what's happening. <laughs> like you, you watch these school board uh, meetings right now. And like you've outlined so many times on here, Steve, the, the simple solution, if you don't like what's happening in school to pull your kids out and there's the, a lot of these people on the right, their solution is to go and we need to dominate uh, these people and subjugate them to our ideology. And, prevent them from preaching their ideology on us. And I think that's a, that can be incredibly dangerous as a mentality to have. I'd be curious if anybody in the, I don't know if anybody has thoughts on like how you, like how, how to, how to communicate this to these kinds of things to other people or, I don't know, or any thoughts on any of it. Try to get through to the masses that they're brainwashed. Is that what we're looking for here? Or just anybody, not even the masses. Like, you know, most, most people are completely hopeless, but like people who are, so, you know, my example has been the farmer's market people, you know, like people who are, you know, they understand something's fucked up. They're just, they just, you know, have their, there's a lot that they're not aware of. Yeah. It's unfortunate that so many people, um, don't question more things and accept what they're told through the television and movies. And um, when you, when you try to go outside and, and consider a larger picture and listen to some other narratives and start to verify some stuff, you do see the patterns that we're aware of where all the collusion and corruption is, where all the deception is and the marketing is everywhere for the things that keep people sick, keep people on medicines, make certain people continue to stay rich and in power. They, they don't see how they're manipulated. And uh, honestly, you know, back to what um, 
what Tucson was saying before about uh, Bitcoin, you know, changing the game. Or I'm, sure, I'm not sure how you reference it, but I started thinking about the idea of Bitcoin's ledger as truth. And and I'm really steeped saying how you can't or you can't coordinate millions of people, but through Bitcoin we actually do that. And there's, I want to say that, well, so. There's so many ways to look at this. Money is a language, right? It, it speaks to people. It allows people to communicate, even if they don't know the same, no, even if they can't speak the same actual language, they can still communicate through trade. And so money allows for that. But when money's broken, the signals get wrecked. And so the deception becomes easier. When people can control money, they can control people and they can control the narrative. But when money is uncorruptible, like with Bitcoin, at least to the extent that, you know, nobody can just take over the system and, and, and certainly nobody can add more units and that that just changes the game and so in order to operate within this system you have to have a different perspective um on the way you're going to communicate with this form this medium with the other people who also want to use that medium and so now you don't get the opportunity to fool them as easily because if you start messing around and start losing units of this currency and the inability to transact with people because you don't have enough of them, you, you become poor because nobody wants to send you any because you got no value to give because you're a cheater. I mean, it just ripples through everything eventually. And when you have a good form of money to keep people honest, it just, it just uh, you know, extends outward in, in their lives. And, and um, I just ultimately think in a few generations, the world could be a way better place. Because kids growing up today and then their kids and then the kids beyond them are just going to have a world where Bitcoin is money and they won't even think about it. We're like, we're like, we're out in the world like pioneers trying to convince the world that this is better for them. I was listening to somebody today say, you know, as it's heard from somebody else, it just looks like we're pumping our bags and we want somebody to maybe get in so we could get out. And I, I kind of get that. But people that really get Bitcoin, they're in this for the, the change for all of humanity, not just the wealth that it might bring them in their purchasing power. And people don't know that. They don't get it. They don't even believe it. I, I personally do. It's the only reason I'm, I'm such an advocate because I think it changes incentives and it changes the world. And if you can get through to them on that level, like all of us, I think they'll open up to the rest of it. And I, I do think there's a chance humanity could be saved because we now have Bitcoin. That's how, that's how important I think it is. And all this fiat bullshit that we see all around us starts to get exposed when those people can't cheat through the monetary system anymore. You know, when they're forced to align with this closed monetary system that nobody gets to control, their their wealth doesn't last the same. It doesn't, you know, I don't know. You can only pay people off so much. And to get back more money to keep paying them, somebody has to be willing to give it to you, which means you have to bring value somehow. You can't just cheat. You can't just push a button and make the money like they do now. And so that just changes everything. I think I've rented enough. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's a good one. That's for sure. Um, and that's one of the exciting things about Bitcoin is Bitcoin, you know, is helping eliminate the market demand for the state. Uh, and technology is just kind of generally speaking. Uh, I think the big one for people that's important to understand is the state doesn't keep you safe and it's actually more of a threat to your prosperity and survival. And that's the thing that, you know, people tend to default into, you know, the idea of the state being a, 
a legitimate entity because of the promised order that it provides. Uh, but when you look around you, you know, what's happening right now? Uh, we're going into food shortages uh, and gasoline shortages because of state action, because of extremely moronical state action. Uh, we're looking at, and it could be argue, argued pretty uh, pretty well that we're currently in World War III uh, with the potential for nuclear obliteration. Why? Because there's a couple psychopaths that are in government uh, putting the entire world at risk because of their dick measuring contest or whatever is going on. Um, we see massive amounts of surveillance happening right now. Uh, you know, the crime rates are going up through the roof. Drug overdoses are going up through the roof. Uh Contrary to popular belief, it's not because of lack of police and it's not because of the borders being wide open or whatever um, is coming from conservative media. Uh, but it's becoming it, it's because government action has created a bunch of despair in our communities. And what happens when in, in a lot of these communities where you see the crime rates going through the roof, um, you've also seen house housing uh, double, triple in price in very short amounts of time. You don't watch wages uh, grow with it. You see a bunch of regulations on businesses that make the um, uh, entry into the market much more difficult, much more difficult to uh, create wealth uh, for yourself. And what happens when you try and protect yourself? Well, then the police come in and they show up and arrest you for protecting yourself. And so they're essentially encouraging criminality. Um, and they're setting the example of the criminality and the corruption, because this is what happens when you have government, it, like the whole idea, you know, of minarchy or, or government in general is that there are criminals out there. So we need to form this, uh, this monopoly on violence to protect you from the criminals or else the cartels would take over or else gangs would take over. And the reality is, is that the cartels and gangs are the government at the end of the day. That's what it quickly devolves to. And so what you've given them is this vehicle in which they can essentially enslave you. And that's what we've seen. And so that's, that's the thing that I think is really important for people to understand is that, the government doesn't keep you safe, but it's actually a threat to your safety at the end of the day. Yeah, I think about it when a police officer decides to flip his lights on and cause somebody to pull over onto the side of the road. You got somebody driving along. Maybe they have like the wrong sticker on their car or they crossed the line incorrectly. Didn't harm anybody. But magic words on paper somehow gives one human being the authority to turn on some lights and force another human being to stop what he's doing and pull over and answer to that guy. And that guy thinks he's special. He's got a special clown suit he gets to wear. He's got some fancy metal uh, on his chest with some numbers. And uh, some other human gave him permission, said, you are allowed to carry this weapon full of bullets. And guess what else you get to do? You get to ignore the speed limit, all the red lights, just flip on your lights. People will let you go. We got these special cards with nice colors and words on them. And we're allowed to do shit other people aren't allowed to do. So I want you to follow these rules, go out there and straighten people up. And if they don't like it, 
here's a pad with some words on it. You're going to write on here and you're going to give it to them and they're going to send us some money. All right. That's your job. Go out there, enforce laws, magic words on paper. So you get pulled over and this guy is essentially deciding he controls you at that moment. And unless you want a band of them to follow you, you have to pull over because he will call for backup and say that you're resisting arrest. And if you get out of the car and walk towards them, he might draw a weapon thinking he's threatened. Meanwhile, he started it. And you could die having crossed a special yellow line in the riddle in the middle of a paved piece of earth. It blows my mind that these guys think who they are and get away with it. And society just goes, no, it's cool because they're protecting us. They're not fucking protecting anybody but themselves and the state apparatus that they get their extortion money for. I cursed out a guy recently for pulling me over for literally that, for crossing a line and going down a turning lane in the middle of, of a divided highway, like two lanes in each direction and a turning lane in the middle. And he said I traveled too far in that turning lane. Like I wasn't supposed to enter that turning lane so soon. And he pulled me over for it. And I cursed him out and called him a road pilot, pirate. He still gave me a ticket, but, you know, I, I still had to put him in his place because it's bullshit. The guy's like half my age. I think he was afraid of me by the end. Um, but it's just incredible what people are brainwashed to believe that these this apparatus known as the state, which gets all this free money because they have connections to the people who created out of thin air. And so they can pay other people to come into their delusion and believe that they have authority over all the other humans around them. They've been given special authority and that they can do things that no one else can do. And they get paid so well to do it that they stay loyal. Right. So you got all these people that want to be cops and they want to join the military and they think they're doing something that's good. And they have no idea, most of them, that they're being totally manipulated by people way above them that are that are using them to prop up their entire system, like the IRS that extorts us every day and every other level of taxation and all the other bullshit. The people that are in government are the largest extortion operation on the planet. They provide essentially no real value, and but and they get all, all their wealth from taking it, not from earning it. They don't get it voluntarily through through voluntary exchange. And like the whole apparatus, people just don't want to see it in that light because they think they're protected by the whole thing. And and it's a joke. I mean, you're lucky if the crime that you happen to be, you know, that was committed against you actually gets investigated and they actually catch somebody. Uh, in the end, because that's how that's how inefficient and lame they are. But boy, if they think you committed a crime, they'll steal your shit. Um, and, and what's that called? Um, uh, um, civil asset forfeiture. Like they just make up some special fancy term and go like, we have the authority to just steal your shit because we think you're guilty of something. And you know what? If you can prove us wrong, we might give it back. I mean, like they're the biggest thief going. And they're the ones protecting us. It's just such a fucking joke in every direction. I can't stand it. So and it's, thanks and again, it's guys. Thanks for the platform because I, I got to get this off my chest sometimes. It's, the world pisses me off sometimes so bad and I got no one to talk to. So you guys, I'm glad you put this together so I can come on every Monday and rant. <laughs> I was going to say an, an interesting angle on that too is that it's like the, it's, it's a relatively recent phenomenon. Like really... Like certainly, it, at least up until World War One, for sure, this idea that like the police were who, you know, provided primary order and, and all that was 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 ridiculous. Like especially like out, like Old West, obviously it didn't apply, but even in 
cities. Like there wasn't, there wasn't this idea of it's like the ultimate at the end of the day, responsibility for law and order rests with the police. Like it's just, it's one more of these things where they took, they took something that was an emergent phenomenon within the community or, you know, within people or whatever. And they, they outsourced it to the state. And then everybody just assumed that that's now the next, you know, they did the same thing with public schooling. They do, they do this over and over and over again, where they take, something that people can handle perfectly well on their own and then they just outsource it to the state um and i mean it's like that's what a lot of what they're trying to do now with a lot of like the feminism trends and things like that is they're trying to replace the man and the family and outsource everything that you know that that role fulfills and outsource that to the state um and it's that's i don't know these these are things i i find helpful kind of for people sort of to understand like how how nefarious it is and, 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 but also like how simple, but definitely not easy it is for us to, to opt out of all of it and to just like, you know, say fuck that noise. I don't give a shit what, you know, Elizabeth Warren and all our other retards think. Yeah. And it goes back to the idea that, you know, not only is it, is it a recent phenomenon, but you know, your, your general blue pilled individual will be like, well, you know, the police need to be there to keep me safe because there's bad people. And the police just do not, they don't keep you safe. They also encourage criminality at the end of the day because what did they do? They go and enforce all of these policies that prevent human flourishing and create crime. They essentially create uh, crime. I mean, they, they need a job you know, first and foremost. So like you look at, you look at the drug world. Um, it, it's insane, you know, because like, why is there a market for the cartel in Mexico? Well, it's because drugs are illegal. Uh, why are drugs illegal? Uh, you know, because people are scared of them. Uh, they don't want their kids doing it. They don't want them in their communities. Um, there is evidence that drugs, when taken, you know, people oftentimes have issues uh, with it. Uh, but what happens when you make the drugs illegal? You create this huge black market economy uh, and create a ton of violence. How do you deal with that violence? I mean, you just like look at, so like heroin is the one that's killing a lot of people. And the reason why heroin is killing a lot of people is because they put fentanyl in it. And the reason why they put fentanyl in it is because the CIA hasn't been shipping as much heroin from Afghanistan into the U S and the cartels saw an option to, or an opportunity to start making their own heroin and shipping it in. But their poppies are a lot shittier than Afghanistan's poppies uh, so they started putting fentanyl in it to uh, bring it over, you know, and what what's happening is there's this black market uh, th that the government, you know, ultimately helps support and control. It's not like they um, actually stop any drugs. Uh, they control it and they support it. Um, Bill Clinton and Reagan were shipping shitloads of uh crack cocaine in the U.S. It, through uh, Alabama and putting it into minority communities. Um, you know, this is not a conspiracy theory. This is, this is published and acknowledged. Uh, 
Um, but yeah, I mean, you look at the free market, you know, first of all, it's immoral for people to be put into cages for do, doing drugs. I mean, imagine like we're, we're going into a world where you could potentially be pr- imprisoned uh, for eating beef because beef is apparently terrible for the environment, even though that's a load of shit. Um, and I think a lot of people think that's absurd, you know, to, to even suggest or think about. But, you know, the idea of dictating to somebody what they can and can't do um, as long as they're not actively hurting somebody. So, like, I mean, the idea that, like, okay, drugs increase crime. Well, the, the crime is the problem. You know, if somebody goes and steals uh, from your, steals your property or, you know, attacks you, that's the issue, uh, not the drugs, you know, because there's tons of people that peacefully do it. I'm pretty sure almost everybody in the sm- space smokes pot um, and is uh, pretty peaceful individually. And I'm pretty sure most of the people here drink alcohol and is are fairly peaceful individuals. And that's a Hobo dis- as opposed to marijuana. Kind of bad. <laughs> yeah. Anti, anti-marijuana person. Where's the bong rip? Um, yeah, it's just it's just absurd when you think about it. And so what is essentially happening is the government in making this illegal, like if there was a free market for heroin, uh, people probably wouldn't be choosing fentanyl and probably wouldn't be killing themselves. It'd be a lot less expensive. And I'm not talking about like what they've done with pot because what they've done with pot is absolutely absurd. Uh, in jurisdictions that where it's illegal... Um, you know, the whole regulated, like we're going to tax the shit out of it is just complete bullshit. Like that, that needs to be, um, like shout out to the people that are growing and selling to the friends. Cause that's pretty dope. Um, also if I might interject real quick, since we're on the topic, sure. also keep in mind, um, you know, Purdue pharma, wasn't it, uh, you know, manufactured the Oxycontin crisis also played a huge role in, in, you know, agitating this whole opium epidemic that, you know, you know, facilitated this uh, fentanyl and opium crisis to begin with. And, you know, what did they do? Get a slap on the wrist and have to pay some money out. But they still made their billions and paid their doctors all over the country, sent out their little sales agents to pump up the prescription numbers. And that's something I've witnessed firsthand. I'm sure people in here have also witnessed, you know, family members, friends, loved ones that were just getting bukus. I mean, just hundreds of pills by the boatload of this shit. And, you know, it was perfectly fine and acceptable. And it just created, you know, a, you know, further the zombie nation that we're still dealing with. Yep. And, and to go off of that, like those drugs were supported by the FDA, you know, and, and all of these studies, um, Zorn says selling pot to your friends is dope. And I have to caveat this. Like I'm, I'm completely sober and have been for a decade. Like, I don't drink and I don't do drugs, but I think it's completely immoral. And that's just a personal decision of mine. I don't think it's immoral to do it, but I think it's completely immoral to put somebody in a cage for it. But yeah, I mean, you look at the system and, you know, it, it is operated to prey on people. The FDA approved it, you know, Purdue or whichever pharmaceutical company put out the studies in the research saying that Oxycontin is non-addictive. Uh, which is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, they didn't look for any other ways to treat pain. They just gave opiates and then got all these p- people hooked on it. And then when they're hooked on it uh, they, and they stop getting prescriptions for it, then they have to go to this dangerous black market. And like, shout out to Ross Ulbricht, who is a genius, who had the solution to this, the free market for drugs. 
had the Silk Road been allowed to happen, or not allowed to happen, but been violently suppressed, we would see a lot less issues that we're seeing today in our society with drugs. Things would be a lot safer. Crime rates would be a lot lower. And, you know, we'd see a lot more human flourishing. And it's just, like, the state does not keep you safer. At the end of the day, it is ultimately a threat to your existence. And it's too, too evil of an institution to be allowed to exist. And, John, that's, that's a bit frightening, just like you said. Uh, not only because the state, like, got you into all this medication, but now with the supply chain issues, it can't even get you the medication that it got you addicted to. So I wonder what the masses will do um, as, you know, things evolve this decade. Yeah. I mean, we're going to, we're like, this is a decision point. You know, a lot of people are going to have to make of like, are they going to comply with the psychopaths or are they going to turn to the black markets? And that's ultimately what's going to happen is there's going to be this, uh, what I've heard described as anarcho tyranny where, uh, you know, there's a lot of lawlessness and disorder and the state selectively uh, enforces laws, whatever's convenient to them. Like they're going to pull Jim over for going in a turn lane too long, uh, but they're going to support this widespread criminality. I think it's important too that's like how, like the inter- one inch, a big interesting point to me is like how much of their power relies on people using dollars like to transact and, and for their income and for all that kind of stuff. And it's just like how, I don't know, it's just, it's like a whole other angle of how important it is for us, you know, to, to get people out of, out of that system. Because it's like, if, if, you know, we've seen the, you know, the number one way they squeeze you is your income. They want to shut down your job. They want to control you through your job, you know, whatever. So it's like, okay, step one, opt out of that. Um, you know, and then it's like, how else do they control you? Well, they control you by your financial assets. It's like, okay, well, step two, opt out of that. Um, and it's, I don't know, like it's, there's, like I said, I was saying earlier, it's definitely not easy, but it is, it is simple to almost entirely exit out of all of this just complete horseshit. Uh, Zorn says, um, in all fairness, Jim is a trash driver. JK, we love you, Jim. Yeah, I'm very reckless. No, I'll tell you, I have a pet peeve with drivers, man. The highways are supposed to work where the slowest traffic stays to the right, the second slowest is in the middle, and the fastest are on the left. And everywhere, 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 that is not known. And it is so frustrating. But I, I drive a lot, and I have been driving for many, many years. It's just getting worse. Like well, everything else, turning to fiat. Well, you know what? I'm in the left lane going 65 because I'm scrolling Twitter and looking for OnlyFans. So sue me, Jim, all right? I'm trying to see some ass thoughts while I'm on the fucking highway. Is that a fucking crime? That's what the autopilot... Okay, removed from speakers. Yeah, that's a crime. That's a crime. That's a crime. Sounds like, state. That sounds like time, time efficiency to me. <laughs> You're a menace to society for driving. The guy likes form. to gamble. If he wants to gamble, let him gamble. All right, just kidding. No, going back to the opiates, another, I know there's some personal experience. They, if you go to the hospital, they just pump you full of opiates and they don't tell you how shitty the withdrawals are going to be. Like it's, it's almost in for, uh, 
misinformed consent because they're like, do you want, like, we're going to give you these drugs because you're in pain. And you're like, okay. Uh, and then they don't tell you, like, you're going to want to stay on these drugs. Like, you're going to have serious withdrawals for weeks. Uh, like, it's, it's really, I mean, it's really insane. Like, they, they'll just, and they're so cheap, too. They just pump you full of opioids, kick you, kick you out of the hospital, slap a prescription in your hand, and then just say good luck. Like they, they don't give you any information on how fucking miserable the, the withdrawals are going to be. I had, then, I had an extremely minor procedure like a few years ago, and they gave me six, fifty Vicodin generic for like seven dollars. I didn't, I didn't take any of them. Yeah, dude, it's insane. I've experienced my fair share of withdrawals from from opiates and just to kind of piggyback on that a little bit, it would not be that hard. I mean, if you just look back in like during prohibition of alcohol, like what did it, what happened? Like speakeasy sprang up, people had bad reactions to like bathtub alcohol and shit. And that's no different than what, like what we're seeing today. Cause a lot of it, when something's quote unquote illegal, it casts like what, like a, a veil of like shame. So we have to do our drugs like in the worst places in unsafe conditions it's not that hard to uh, to imagine a, a system where everything's legalized, money gets made, that money gets put back into a system to educate people, make uh, safe places to use, and, and help you know fund ways to get people off these drugs. But, it, but they don't want that, you know. It's clearly, they don't want that. Yeah, and I, I definitely, Very clear. I definitely like want to be careful with this because this is the presentation from like progressives is that we should legalize these things to tax them. And I think that's a terrible perspective uh, to take because taxes just create destruction. There's nothing beneficial that comes from the government stealing money in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but yeah, I mean, what, what would happen in result from drugs being legalized is that communities would be safer and there would be more economic productivity and people would be able to get out of it. You know, ultimately, and what we see in the treatment world, and this is where I worked prior to working in Bitcoin, is it's just a mess. It's it's the exact same as the bullshit hospital system. You've got a bunch of morons getting government educations and thinking they're doing revolutionary things like treating drug addicts with addictive uh, uh, drugs, and you know just. Doing, you know, creating a like methadone, suboxone, shit like that. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, there might be some benefits to, to drugs like that, you know. Ultimately, like, there's an argument uh, for stuff like that, but I'm talking about like Xanax. You know, <laughs> it's like you treat, yeah, 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 I feel you. Yeah, you you treat um, a drug addict uh, with a pill uh, that is so incredibly addictive, and you can die from withdrawals. Like that's a horrible idea um and that's the only solution that they have because of just you know there's not a free market for experimentation and a lot of the you know alternatives that can be pursued and might show some promise get shut down you know because there's not academic studies behind it not a cia approved academic study mm -hmm. exactly I'm starting to think they might want us uh, sick, miserable, and poor. What? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, how did we get here to this point? Well, started with public education in 1900. 
um, shortly after central banking came into existence. And it's, it's just a playbook. You know, people operate based on incentives and the government, individuals in the government want to have power. They want to be freeloaders. They want to be able to, you know, control other people without putting much work in. And we have had about six generations of people in the United States that are, have been victims of public education. And even if you don't go to public, uh, public school, uh, once you get out of homeschool, uh, and, and I don't think the private schools are any better. Uh, I just think the schooling model sucks. But once you get out of homeschool, then you go and are surrounded by a bunch of lemmings. And so it creates a lot of social pressure and, and then people are informed by the media. Um, and the media is just completely co-opted. It's, it's state, you know, Michael Malice is corporate media. A lot of people say mainstream media and I just say status media. Um, cause that encompasses a lot of the alternative media too. And it informs people's opinions. And so, yeah. you didn't really yeah. dig too deep about the schooling part. Um, when you think about all the different routines and the the lines they make people form and, the, you know, just the whole assembly line nature of schooling, every child must learn all the same things, all at the same speed, at the same age. It's so broken, but it is it is meant to make sure everybody knows the same bullshit. They leave out incredible amounts of important stuff. And the, the one that's the most obvious to anybody in Bitcoin is the fact that nobody gets an education about how money works, the history of money, how it developed, why humans use it, none of that. And those principles are absolutely critical to the incentives that drive everything around us. And yet kids grow up and just go, you know, they, they don't know anything about the world. They don't know how anything works. And they really don't know how to navigate where the truth is or anything else. And uh, it starts in this, you know, what is it? It's modeled after some something from Prussia where they wanted to make people into robots to work in factories. And, they, you know, our government said, oh, this is a good way to control people. And, you know, for decades they've been doing it. We all, most of us, I did, went through this whole thing. And, you know, I, I, I never felt manipulated, but I hated it the whole time. I like the fun parts. I like learning about how to build things. I love shop class. I love gym class and I love lunch period. So I just run around outside with my friends, you know, cause sitting there learning about social studies and, you know, some far off war from years ago didn't interest me, but they also didn't make it relevant to how life works. They didn't even know how to they, like you could, I, I think history is really interesting because when you study it, you get to see why the hell shit is messed up now. But if it's not presented in the right context, which it wasn't, and it probably still isn't, you're a kid going like, what do I need to know this shit for? You know, so like it's so damn broken, but the people who run it kind of know. And then again, like like the enforces, everybody in school systems gets paid really well. There's like probably two administrators for every teacher just sucking the teeth of the freaking budget. Uh, you know, it's just incredible how convoluted and, and overblown it's gotten. And the kids don't learn shit about the real world, that's for sure. That's a mess. What's up? Uh, protagonist, what's up? I'm just thinking about, uh, it seems the biggest positive externality about legalizing drugs, like progressives are like, yeah, we can tax it, but like the biggest reason we should do it is that 
it eliminates a harmful supply chain. But I'm just thinking when we create a black market for these drugs, it does create a global supply chain to facilitate drugs and weapons. And it creates these cartels of power, which then gives, it creates these, these cartels that have enormous power in like huge regions of the world. And as long as there's a black market around it, uh, our intelligence community can use that as we can use them in a way where we can, we can continue saying like, yes, it's going to be a black market. So you guys have freedom to operate, but we're going to need these concessions from you. So if we need you to tone down the violence because we need this leader to look good, or we need you to pick up the violence, or we need you to go do something for us, say Nicaragua, then you're just going to have to do that. It's very interesting. It's like creating, I mean, also, also it's global supply chain that the intelligence communities can use. Um, that's undocumented for the most part. So it's really interesting that by creating this black market, you've now created this this in, this global supply chain that allows, you know, the worst parts of our government to utilize. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the same exact concept as government created monopolies. Like that's just essentially what these drug cartels are. At the end of the day. The problems government created. It wouldn't exist in a free market. That's for sure. What's up, Rope? Uh, going back to the education thing, you know, like I got tweeted out like last week, like like public schools are just like L one like correctional layer one correctional facilities. You know, like the, if the state had its way, we would all go to public school. They would make money off us there. We'd all go to university. They'd make money off us there. And if you weren't going to be a good debt slave you would just go to a private prison and you would just, you know, be an actual slave and make license plate or something for, uh, you know, literally people get paid. What was it like a dollar a day or less? And then there was people out in California, prisoners out in California fighting wildfires for like 50 cents an hour. You know, that's, that's the kind of thing that, you know, the government or the state, uh, you know, that's what we get for paying taxes. Yeah. And that's a, that's a huge thing that I forgot to mention in this, uh, what, helps to perpetuate this idea of state legitimacy is the state employs a massive amount of people an absolutely massive amount of people. Like the state is the primary, uh, uh, it's the building block of the Tucson economy where seven of the 10 top employers are state organizations. And one out of the, the 10 is Raytheon, which is entirely state funded. So eight out of the 10 are um, state funded. And this is where you get this idea of supporting government ultimately, because it supposedly creates jobs or creates the livelihood for a lot of people. Uh, but it's actually a net loss at the end of the day, because taxation just creates uh, destruction in the economy. It destroys economic productivity. But yeah. yeah. And as the Texas LARPers point out, there's a lot of federal land in Arizona, which is good for two reasons, which makes them wrong uh, for many reasons. But two reasons it's good. One, uh, you can do whatever the fuck you want on federal land, which is awesome. And then number two, uh, when 
we see the end of the American empire and this whole, you know, this whole shit storm starts burning down. Uh, there is going to be a just absolute fire sale on a uh, property all over the state of Arizona. Wonderful, wonderful state of Arizona. And uh, that's going to be, it's going to be beautiful. You're not going to have anywhere near those kind of opportunities in places like Texas, which have been completely co-opted by conservatives and other undesirables. And Arizona is just a much more beautiful place to be. Texas is ugly as fuck. Which, which is why I'm renting until that, uh, that shit storm transpires. Yeah. Well, I think the verdict's out on this show. The state sucks. Um, well, Kiwi's up here on stage. So one of the things I wanted to talk to, about tonight is our ongoing feud with the Benz. So you got any thoughts, Kiwi? Just another day, another W. I don't know if you had a. Do you have a chance to uh, catch my TFTC shout out this week? No, I didn't. Do you want to remind me what you did? Uh, I just took it upon myself to uh, use as an opportunity to inform everyone. You know, it's kind of the situation that we're in. Ah, more marketing for the bin. Thank you. We appreciate it. Yeah. I actually should make an audio clip of it. Actually, yeah, I'm going to do that. Yeah. So this is an interesting point from VCALS in uh, the chat. So this person says, Arizona has its problems, but can you imagine unironically living in California? And that's such a good point. Uh, the reason why California is such a shitty place to live is because it has the highest per capita of bends in the United States. Is that why the gas is so fucking high? Yeah. I mean, the bands just love to subvert anything good and beautiful. You see, I've recently found out that are some retarded Ben. Uh, some of them are trying to join the High Council of Ben. And obviously that's going to fail. Like, uh, you know that guy who made... Like, well, that by made, definition, that makes them retarded, though. If they want yeah. to join the Council of Ben. No, they want to aspire to be able to. But not yeah, yeah. Any yeah. anyone with anyone with that sort of deficiency is re just retarded by definition. Yes, there's retarded beings are retarded. I thought I made that clear at the start there, Steve. Um, but it was the guy who slapped together two S nine and tries to sell it for like I think two grand, and he gets seven percent of the Bitcoin mine. I'll find the tweet. It's fucking hilarious. Absolute scammer of a bin. I saw that. That's funny. They're always coming out with uh, some stupid miner. Uh, yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Apparently, it's uncalled for. Yeah, let me let me just kind of have a little look for yourself. Yeah, I mean, I think. But uh, that's probably, okay. probably why he goes by Adam and not Ben. Not worthy of the name. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like the Benz are aspiring to be like the skull of skull and bones of Bitcoin and are failing pretty miserably. We're on to you. Uh, I don't know. I feel like they're, you know, 
they're failing pretty miserably, you and Skeet wouldn't be talking about them every day. They're obviously succeeding. Like, that's clear. Um, I think, yeah, it's a reasonable analogy, but the Bitcoin version, so it's not like a whole, you know, you guys will sleep together in a cock and do some gay shit and then, you know, forever be under our thumb. We're just infiltrating it for the lols. Like, you should see the high council of Ben's, like, the, the, the group chat. It's hilarious. I wish I could show you. I really do. I Invite only, though. Sorry. I don't want to be tainted by that. Please. Have you noticed all the bends have got, like, hands up? You know, they get... One is the head of security swan. The other two just made the Bitcoin company. I'm with another exchange. Ben Ark, I think he made the LN point of sale tool. I don't know. I think they're pretty freaking awesome, if you ask me. Like, what has Skeet made for Bitcoin? He's made some pretty good memes. Skeet, Skeet is the bastion of freedom in this space. So what, what you're describing right now is the bands are trying to go and infiltrate all these different yep. Bitcoin companies. Like yep. right here, too. Skeet is, this is the host. He's is the host of Talking Gateways, and who is here as a Sorry, guest? I made my I made the clip of the uh, well of the of the shout out. I'm just about to tweet it out. All right, thanks, Lance. I look forward to it. I don't know. I just think that uh, if the beans were such a fail, you guys would be talking about them so frequently. Like we get marketing from you guys, you know, rent free and multiple times a day. It's fantastic. Well, I mean, I think the problem is is that the majority of people just don't understand what's happening right there right now so we're definitely a minority voice just making people aware you know of the subversion that's happening and can re can retards or incompetent people subvert successfully i did find a new data point today there are 131,500 and something uh bends in the united states so uh, that comes out to like point point zero zero two percent of males. Uh, there are five or no seven out of like I think ninety speakers at Bitcoin twenty two uh, that are named Ben, and uh, that is I think something that needs to be explained and hasn't been addressed in any in, in a way that's anywhere close to adequate. Well, it's sort of speak about that we're going to have to go all the way back to the time of the Kasserian Mafia because that's where the Ben sprouted from I want to hear everything about the Kasserian Mafia well my friend you'll have to make sure that you're a Ben and that you get in the High Council of Ben checks that's the only way you find out fuck that yeah I mean I, I think this is a horrible metric to be going off of like when you look at the speakers at Bitcoin 2020 2022 it's a pretty low bar that's being set i mean heck andrew yang and joe jorgensen are speaking there and what, what's yeah, that guy? Neither, neither, neither of them is named ben so i don't have a problem with them so There's i mean 400 freaking speakers at that conference is absurd yeah, yeah i'm not a big fan of how like peter teal and the rest of them are gonna be there it's gonna be spook city uh, it's going to be funny trying to plan for that too. I don't know if you've read the latest 
that's, 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 a, that's a given though stuff like that it's like i don't know there's there's spooks at bitcoin miami and you know pizza hut serves pizza yeah no, that's facts none of them are called bin though yeah bitcoin miami is kind of subverting itself let's be honest here well bitcoin magazine kind of is it's serial yeah I like Surfer Jim uh, going on GitHub and getting the deets on uh, their stupid app and all the trackers on there. That was pretty awesome. Oh, no, I'm not that smart. I had help with that one. Somebody saw my tweet and sent me a DM with that information in it. I don't want to dox him. He's a, he's a developer and he's a smart guy and a friend. Um, but he, he knew right where to find the information. I went, holy shit, I was right. Good. That was, uh, that's interesting. You know, there's, there's enough information out there if you know where to look. See, that's the whole thing. That's, that's the problem with this world. People don't know that and they're just brainwashed. I knew that app was going to track shit. So, all right. So for people don't know, I bitched about, or I just sent out a tweet because, you know, that I saw that they're going to have an app that you could download for the conference. And I'm like, oh yeah, right. Another tracking app. That's just great. You know, like it's, it's who would, who would want that? And David Bailey, the CEO of Bitcoin magazine, denied that it was a tracking app and then a friend of mine sent me a whole rundown of what it does and what it tracks and it's like and i called him out and i go you're a total liar why are you just outright lying to people and he kind of copped to it he kind of like said um ignorance man i wish i could remember it was like it was like he alluded to he was ignorant and so you can't chalk it up to malice like he didn't do it on purpose and i'm just thinking wow, that's pretty sad that he doesn't care enough about the products and services that are connected to him to know to know enough about them. And like, and or, I looked at it, wait a minute, hold on. Well, he's probably lying because you got to be a halfwit. If you're in this space, if you're into computers, if you know anything about anything in the internet and whatnot, every freaking app that is created, especially if it's free, there is no incentive to create it if it can't gather some kind of useful data. And for him to think that it, for him to not even think that it might and question it is absurd or not question it in his case. Like if I knew somebody came up with this idea and we hired a company to make it, I'd be like, all right, listen, this is Bitcoin and people like privacy. What is this thing going to do and not do? He don't give a shit about that. He's getting paid. That's all he cares about. I think it's terrible. And if he got called out. Before replying saying it doesn't do that, you'd think that he would at least double check. Yeah. You would think, right, before he denied it, he would actually call somebody and go, hey, before I look like a fool in public. But yet, you know what? Not enough people even notice. Not not enough people see a couple tweets between me and him, and that's it. It just goes by the wayside, and it, you know, just swept under the rug, and 98% of the people there won't even care or know. The smart people will never use the app. The people that are smart that are there won't even have their phones turned on. I just thought of a great meme, Jim. You know how there's that Grim Reaper and he's knocking on doors and taking heads? Yeah. I'm going to do that with your face as the Grim Reaper and it's knocked on Shamath's door and now it's knocking on David Bailey's. No, no, <laughs> please. I don't need it. Don't, please don't do that. <laughs> Chalking up another W. Put, put no, a, no. Put Alex Gladstein on there too. Ooh. Oh, no, no, no. I don't want, I look, 
I actually think Alex is an okay guy. I, I'm not sure he's a spook. A lot of people call him out. I don't know. I don't think he's the worst out there. I, I, you know, whatever. I, you guys can debate me on that. But, you know, he was he was pretty civil to me, all in all, even though I think he's totally dead wrong about how he... Uh, Scammers you know, are always the nicest people, though, Jim. Oh, that's true. All right. Listen, I, I am willing to admit that I can be deceived. Uh, it wouldn't be the first time. Yeah, the whole concept of a status of Bitcoin is oxymoronic from the big, uh, from the get go. Totally, totally. And his, like you're seeing in the Derek Bags chat, like he's so hypocritical in like who he does and doesn't target and like his moral framework is just all over the shop. So I can't say enough, you know, to how, to what extent. I just know that the idea that you can steal someone's property because somebody connected to them committed a so-called crime that when it happened wasn't even a crime and no one gave a shit. It's just so incredible. It's like, it's like clawing back something from years ago that you did and go, oh, you know what? Yeah, we forgot to punish you for that. So now we're going to go get you or something. And even that, it's even worse than that. Oh, somebody we that you know did something wrong years ago. So now we're going to come get you. You know, if you know what I'm talking about, I mean, they took this girl's apartment who they say was paid for by some Russian dude who was a criminal and stole the money. But, you know, did the girl actually do anything? And look, you know what? It could be if you could find the crime and connect it to the dots, maybe it's justified. But they didn't do that first. They just went and took it. So, like, that's not right. And he should defend that, the principle, not the fact that he's pissed off at Russians for invading his you know, you, Ukraine that he's got friends in or some stuff or whatever. You're like, look, not that what Putin did was right. It's not. War is bad in every direction, no matter who starts it. And, you know, he's been critical of our country, as he should be, like, because our country is one of the worst. It's not the worst. But, um, you know, he doesn't know how to find the right line for the principle that applies here. And I'm surprised of it, honestly. It's, it seems pretty straightforward to me. You have to you can't just go steal someone's property because somebody points a finger and says, look at this and look at this and look at this. Not, I mean, not if we're going to live in a society that's supposed to have justice at some level, even though the state is the one that's supposed to carry out justice. The fact that they let this happen just goes to show you the state who's supposed to be in charge of justice doesn't give a shit about justice or us for that matter. It's incredible. The whole thing is just like a big farce. It seems, it seems pretty clear to me at least, and I'd be interested to hear what anybody else thinks about this, but it seems like he has a pretty, you know, a pretty limited set of views that he's allowed to espouse, certainly publicly, you know, given his position, his role, all that, the, the nature of his organization. You know, every, anybody that's listened to this knows that I fucking hate Gary Kasparov and anything that he's a part of. Um, but, I mean, and so it's like, to me, like that that's the part that, that bugs me it's like i you know somebody's wrong okay they're wrong like i'm wrong about stuff everyone here is wrong about stuff that's that that doesn't bother me but it's like coming at it with a disingenuous framework of you know these are these are the possible outcomes that are allowed there has to be a framework of promoting democracy that aligns with you know bush era neocon values like that has to be part of the the outcome and it's just like you just can't to me, it's like I just I can't engage with somebody like that in in any kind of productive way if they have such a limited set of outcomes that are that are that are tolerable based on you know who signs their paycheck. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's huge. And this is why I think it's important, you know, and one of the things I've been disappointed in all the debates I've watched with Gladstein is, you know, on democracy specifically, is why people don't start with the idea of well, what makes a government legitimate in the first place. Like, what is that threshold? And I, th- I think the idea that a dictatorship is worse than a democracy is a bullshit excuse. Like, that, that does not explain the legitimacy of it. It's like get, getting killed by, getting murdered by a sh- Hillary Clinton with two shots to the back of the head is way better than uh, getting tor- tortured by Dick Cheney's goons to death and that was a suicide yeah i mean it's like it's dumb like no both of those situations of murder in this case both you know whether you want to call it slavery to the state or just violent exploitation by the state um it's illegitimate but yeah Yeah, i mean it's the classic like if you don't pay us you know, is uh, you won't we won't protect you. Well, what are you protecting us from? Well, pay me, or you're going to find out. Well, and this is like you know, it, I I think where it's breaking for Gladstein is this is the the primary building block that a status builds off of is they present a threat. Everything is built around this great man. Uh, theory. So there's a bad guy and a good guy, and this is so ingrained in you know storytelling and and you know superhero comics and stuff like that. There's a villain, there's a good guy, and this is the political dichotomy that they create to get you to vote for the other person. Um, or you know, typically it's you know our state needs to protect you from their state, and it's hilarious right now because uh, what you've seen is the entire cathedral has been struggling for, you know, a couple of years now, ever since uh, Trump lost the election, supposedly um, to find a new great bad guy. And they just bounce from person to person to person. You know, that's what happened with the whole Joe Rogan thing. I mean, they tried to make misinformation uh, the bad guy, they've tried to make white supremacy the bad guy, and, and none of it really sticks, you know, and the reason why it doesn't stick is because the state is the bad guy, and people are seeing that because they're being uh, completely taken advantage and victimized by it with the lockdowns and all the other bullshit, the inflation, um, the ridiculous taxes, and now, you know, Putin comes into the mix, and there's a long history in, in the American psyche of, uh, the Russians being the bad guys with the Soviet Union. And so it's very, very convenient. And so I think the status jumps to this idea that, okay, you know, now we have um, somebody, you know, the great man in this case can't be Biden because Biden shits his pants in front of other, you know, world leaders and individuals. Um, He can't even form a coherent sentence. But this idea, this, this, idea that's ingrained into American culture that, you know, the United States government is a bastion for freedom and liberty. And we're going to go bomb a bunch of brown people and, and put ink on their hands. And now they're going to be free because they cast a ballot. Um, Like that's, 
we're going to turn to that. And this is this old idea that is not anywhere close to reality is somehow going to be your savior. And so I think that's what, you know, potentially what Gladstein's falling into is this kind of status trap because there's this dichotomy that needs to be uh, created and promoted of a good guy and a bad guy for people to really buy into this bullshit. So maybe that's what it is, but could be a lot of things. Surf. No. I just want to say your uh, description of Biden was very ageist, and I, I found it offensive. That had nothing to do with his age. Uh, you I described him as uh, um, symptoms that are typically associated with dementia, I believe. Yeah. What about what about all those photos that have been confirmed as real, even though everyone knew they were real? So long. Did you guys actually look through those photos? What? The laptop Hunter Biden ones? Yeah. Uh, I saw a few on Twitter and that made me certain I don't want to see any more. <laughs> yeah, that's a, a good way of putting it. Like, how have we got to this point in time where we have a character like him with photos like that and funding in that metabiota lab? And it's just like, now we're in Ukraine in an unnecessary war for America. And they help fund a whole lot of this COVID nonsense. It's just like, that cut my hunter's company did. It's just like, what the fuck do we found ourselves in? It's a pickle. And mob rule got you here. And where does mob rule take you from there? Like, surely this is peak clown mode. But every time I hear that, it's like, oh, you just wait until next month. Yeah, I mean, I mean this idea of peak clown world. So there's this type of individual, you know, the the hardcore state is that will support their oppression to the point where they're in the prison camp, getting ready to put to death, and they'll still support it. So I don't think there can be, you know, necessarily a peak clown world because that's what we're seeing, you know, as people describing the clown world is like people supporting and doing this stuff. But yeah, with the, with the whole so what you're saying. Oh, good. You're saying is just a uh, fine John Gold? Yeah. I need to read the cliff notes on that book. I have not read any Ayn Rand, and I probably won't. In my humble opinion, it's one of the best things on Audible. Absolutely. I listen to it on Audible. It's a great book. I have the book, too, but the Audible version. It's a great, great story. You can listen to it for days. I may or may not have listened to it like three times. Nice. <laughs> what, what book was it? What book? Uh, Atlas The Fountainhead is also really good. Yeah. Fountainhead and then Atlas Shrugged right after is, is pretty nice. Uh, I also just had my copy of uh, the Fiat Standard turn up today. I'm looking forward to that. I'm on Fiat Foods of the uh, Fiat Standard so far. Chapter 8 is amazing. Yeah, he writes a good book. I got to get a copy of that one. The, the next yeah, book, there's some... Oh, go ahead. The next book on my list is uh, uh, AK-47 suggested was uh, that G. Edward Griffin book, uh, World Without Cancer. 
Oh, I haven't heard of that one. I thought you were about to say the creature from Jekyll Island. No, yeah, wrote, same same guy, but yeah. he also wrote a book about cancer. I've not read it either. There's a lot of good books to read for sure. The Ayn Rand stuff is is one of those things that helps really paint a good, accurate picture of how bad and corrupt the way government and, and collusion with industry has infiltrated society. And it was written a long time ago, but it's very prescient. Yeah, um, the, you know, the primary difference between her plot and today is the difference of the characters. I think. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty. It's amazing how close the parallels are. And similar with things like 1984 and uh, Brave New World, some of these other dystopian novels that were written so long ago that people thought it was just so outrageous. And to actually see parts of it, if not large parts of it, actually playing out in real life is pretty, pretty trippy, actually. I don't know. It's hard to know what to make of it. It's crazy. Yeah, and I think, like, if you really get into the weeds on history, so one of the things that I was reading through recently was just a a bit of history on Abraham Lincoln. And he was probably the most tyrannical president uh, in United States history. Uh, Makes Biden look like a saint. uh, Just due to the amount of killing of American citizens uh, that he did, not just, you know, the Confederates in the South, but even, you know, people in the North rigging elections and uh, imprisoning journalists and burning printing presses, um, stuff like that. And so, you know, I think there's like a wake up call and a shock to the system that a lot of people are experiencing right now, but the real, real red pill is just looking back, you know, on American history and saying, Oh, you know, this country was never a bastion for freedom. It may have been advantageous for certain people and certain people groups at different points where they experienced some semblance of freedom, but it was never the bastion of freedom that it was promoted to be. Um, so I, I just like to harp on that, that issue a little bit. Has anybody read Alex Gladstein's book, Check Your Financial Privilege, and have a critique on it? That's a negative ghostwriter. Is this his first book that he's put out? Probably. I don't know. All right. Should we get into conspiracy theories? Always down for that. All right. Let's get into the whole New World Order thing. We need Clancy to chill us on turpentine. What's she's been she's been she's been drinking turpentine to cleanse heavy metals. Oh. I found the podcast she got it from, but I haven't listened yet. Oh. Well, Rope told me the best way to cleanse heavy metals. A lot of Bob Marley music. That's a fact. No, that's don't even do not debate me. That's a fact. I listen to a lot of heavy metal. That's probably my favorite genre. Satanist. There's a lot of Christian heavy metal that I can 
I think can be argued very, very clearly is not Satanist. No, anything heavy and metal is clearly of Satan. On, on that topic real quick, I just want to make an observation. So I listen to a lot of conservative radio and, you know, there's a saying out there that conservatives are just progressives driving the speed limit. And I think that's hilarious uh, because if you go back 40, 50 years ago, you know, that, that was the attitude around most, like what we consider today, classic rock. Um, a lot, a lot of great uh, music like Led Zeppelin, et cetera. And the conservative radios, these conservative Christian broadcasters uh, will play that music as intros to their show now. So like, for example, there's a conservative Christian guy in Tucson that has a morning show that can be very entertaining. Uh, but he every morning plays crazy trained by Ozzy Osbourne. Um, and you just kind of look at the way that Overton windows shifted a little bit that that used that would have been awful at the height of the Vietnam War. Um, so kind of interesting. All right. Anybody have any thoughts on Biden's new world order? I don't know why you'd call him Biden. Controlled I was just thinking that. Controlled demolition of the American empire, I think, would be he, the broad term. Yeah, but he's just the puppet that we see on TV. Yeah. My my bad. Sorry. Does anybody have any thought on the Ben's attempt at a new world order? <laughs> so far, so good, baby. They've been sneaking under the radar. Very few people know about it. Did anybody? I can see why. I can see why you might. I can see why you might uh, think the Benz and the architects of 9/11 and Coke and the Great Reset are the same thing. That's that's a pretty logical step for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I've been going deep on the uh, Oklahoma City bombing recently. Ooh, I want to. I want to hear about that. Oh boy. <laughs> Here we go. I mean, I think you can just like look into it. One thing that surprised me was there were a lot of people when it happened that saw the inconsistencies with the story and did a lot of pushback against it. And it wasn't necessarily such a small minority fringe opinion like when 9 11 happened. Um, there are a lot of people that were just fully aware like there's a bunch of bullshit uh going on with this um but yeah i mean i i don't really know like what what the end goal of oklahoma city was um i think the end goal of 9-11 is you know pretty easy we're gonna usher in this police surveillance state um it's just a whole lot of ad well, was it Oklahoma City? At least the argument I've heard is that it was like that's uh, like that. That was kind of the foundation of the the domestic terrorist narrative. That it's like that was how they. Um, I don't know. I don't know if they that was maybe that probably wasn't day one, but that was like that. And then ninety six or whatever ninety five maybe something like that mm -hmm. was what really kind of kicked off that that narrative. Um, 
10, which they obviously still use quite a, quite a bit today. Yeah. So one thing that was interesting about it is uh, one of the psychiatrists, um, I forgot his full name, but he goes by like Dr. Jolly or something like that, um, who has a lot of ties to MK Ultra, uh, had a lot of involvement with Timothy McVeigh, which I thought was super interesting. And so Tim- Timothy McVeigh was, you know, the guy that was supposedly alone in creating this massive bomb via a truck bomb uh, that wouldn't have the power to demolish this building in the way that it did. There would have had to have been bombs inside. Uh, but the likelihood of him being able to pull it off was pretty minimal, and there were a lot of reports of other people uh, being involved with it. So it's kind of similar uh, stuff to you know the JFK assassination, um, but with direct ties to MK Ultra, which is interesting. And that that stuff just shows up everywhere. I mean, go back to, as you know, you had chaos. You know, it's like, or I don't know if it was in chaos or not, but. Just the fact that Jack Ruby and Charles Manson have the same psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chaos is a uh, um, one of the best books if you really want to get into the inner workings of the CIA um, and some of the crazy, deep, dark shit that they've done to infiltrate movements. And on the history of the CIA, Surprise Kill Vanish by Annie Jacobson, super good. Yeah. Yeah. Surprise Kill Vanish is definitely like a good one. It didn't get as deep into the weeds as I would have liked. And, and Chaos really does a good job of that for sure. A, a couple of years ago, I took like six weeks off in the summer, like just a road trip around with the kids. And I read like all of her books in that. I think she had like six books or something like that. But I like her a lot. Yeah. So this is something that's interesting. So. Um, I was talking with somebody a while ago about psychedelics and their hesitancy to take it. And one of the reasons why they said they were hesitant to take psychedelics was because of all the uh, CIA involvement in mind control in the 60s and 70s uh, using LSD. And I thought that was interesting. And it kind of made me think a little bit differently about a lot of the psychedelics we see um, being promoted and kind of question that it wouldn't to me, it wouldn't apply to mushrooms because that's like thousands of years old. I could maybe see that argument for LSD because it's a new chemical, but I don't know. That's my, I've never done psychedelics and my objection is just that I have a, just a shit family history on mental health stuff. So it feels like kind of like going into powerlifting with a bad back or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair argument. Anybody else look into the the uh, Oklahoma City bombing? Have thoughts on that? I do not. All I right. don't know enough about it. All right. Okay. On to the next one. Well, I mean, I, I just think it's important to look into stuff like that 
I think once you start to get red pilled, this stuff becomes super interesting because it's it's very earth shattering to learn that there might be some nefarious stuff happening in history and then watching the whole media narrative form around it. And when you see things in the past, uh, the way it happened. So like a lot of people right now are referencing the Iraq war with what's happening in Ukraine. And I think that's a great thing to be doing because, um, you know, like people need to understand the way that these narratives are crafted and people are brainwashed into bullshit essentially. And then, and then unless you're tweeting from the front lines, uh, you can fuck all the way off with, uh, this, uh, U S should support, you know, Ukraine bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Somebody mentioned earlier that Alex Gladstein had ties to the ties to Ukraine in some way. And like, I get that as far as it being a personal issue. And I, I don't remember if I shared this live on air last week, but, um, I have friends over there. I spent time with my mom. Uh, she was just in Hungary uh, with some of her friends uh, from over there when we lived over there uh, that were helping their friends uh, escape Ukraine as refugees. And so it's very, very personal. Um, but that's not an excuse to, to support complete and utter bullshit. And I think, like, this is something that's brought up you know, multiple times with Gladstein is saying that the U.S. is wrong for what they're doing in Ukraine is not giving support to Putin. It's not black and white like that. You can condemn the state in all forms and saying that sending the CIA in to completely subvert a culture and a people is completely morally bankrupt while also saying invading a country and bombing people is completely morally bankrupt. And so I think that's important. So I don't think that's an excuse. I mean, I think if you have personal ties, it's it's even more bringing credence and legitimacy to the idea that you should be rebuking uh, the bullshit. Like, I have personal ties with what's happening in the United States. I have personal ties and personal relationships with people that are being abused by their government. Um, and so I feel stronger about calling out the bullshit but yeah just a quick thought on that yeah and to be clear like i'm i'm talking like government to government um a really good way to support like actual ukrainian people jan pritzker swan's co-founder is organizing he's i guess a ukrainian i don't know if he, he was born there or whatever anyway he has ukrainian by background and uh but he's like actually connected to tons of people on the ground that are like running food kitchens and you know clinics and you know stuff like that um and he, but he's and he's anyway that and that whole setup is just light years better than the the trucker fiasco with like you know everything public and fixed addresses and you know all that kind of nonsense like he, he's doing it right that's good to know yeah jan's got a pretty cool story he lived in uh Ukraine while it was still the part of the USSR. 
Yeah, and I think that's the important part is supporting the people and not the government. That's, that's the way it always is. It's, it's, it's the fucks on top that, you know, get upset over whatever, you know. Somebody, you know, stole someone else's kid. I don't know what are these what these people get upset over. And then they're they're fighting it out and then everyone else dies because of it. Fuck that. Yep. That's why I love Glenn Greenwald as a reporter. He's so consistent on this stuff for that reason, because that's the approach he takes. And and I don't even care that he's a literal socialist. (laughs) Not that I don't care, but it's like, yeah, his his work is separate from that (laughs) somehow. Yeah. I mean, shit, I was watching Jimmy Dore's show and that guy is a complete idiot when it comes to anything economical um, or on economics or on solutions as far as what the government does. But he is so good at identifying the problems. Two years ago, I was watching his show and he was calling out the Human Rights Foundation and Gary Kasparov for being a bunch of spooks. Two years ago. Yeah, but then he would go on the same show and say that minimum wages should be $15 an hour or something like that. It is, it is a giant step to like see a world completely outside of all of the frameworks and institutions. You know, he's how old is he? He's probably 60 something years old. Um, you know, it's like basically asking him to, you know, say, hey, you need to abandon, you know, all the, all the institutions, everything that you understand of how society functions for, you know, for the solution. And a lot of people do it, but it's, I can understand why a lot of people don't. I was just going to say, um, I'd be guilty because I'm in, the, I'm, I'm close to that age, age range. Uh, and, uh, I was way more of a statist, but I was never really because I always hated the illogical mandates of government at all levels. I always hated taxation. I always hated cops. I just hated the authority figure trying to tell me what to do when I wasn't bothering anybody. I've always hated it. But deep down, I was never a statist, but I used to vote. I used to think the system was okay. I used to think TV told the truth. Um, A lot of things, you know, but... Bitcoin opened my eyes. It's only been five years. I was already pushing back, but I've really found my uh, strength in understanding why why I've always felt the way I've felt. And it's always been because of the injustice of a broken monetary system. And I just didn't know it. So life is so much better because my eyes are open. But I lived so, uh, decades and decades, way older than most of you guys. So you're lucky, and you're seeing it at a much younger age. You'll have probably much more prosperous 40s and 50s than I than I had, or at least maybe could have had. Uh, I I got nothing to complain about. I've had a pretty good life, and uh, you know I'm certainly not destitute. And I got friends, and I've got to experience a lot of cool stuff. But I think about how much I've been robbed by a bunch of parasites, and all the other stuff I could have had with all the labor I put out all those years. Boy pisses the hell out of me you know what i'm i gotta spend the rest of my life pushing back and trying to 
see what I can do to convince other people to open their eyes and let's get rid of the corruption that's all around us. And some of these people really need to swing from trees, man. It's really bad what they do to society. I hope, uh, hope you're not going to get kicked off of the freaking internet for me just saying that, but it's terrible, man. They're, they're murderers. Some of them. It's really bad. It's, it's, well, and it's, it's important and interesting how that is, is definitely entering the conversation. Like we, I, I tweeted out a few weeks ago, but the, the senator from Arizona, her name's uh, Wendy, Wendy Davis, something with a W. I'm pretty sure it's Wendy. Wendy Davis. Rogers. Wendy Rogers. Wendy Davis is the Texas lady. Anyway, Wendy Rogers. Um, but anyway, she she gave a presentation at some conference. I don't know what conference it was. I know Gavin McInnes was there. I forget what other names. Um, but uh, she was talking about how she's like, we're gonna we do we need to start building gallows? Like she actually said the phrase building gallows. She talked about public executions, you know, and it's like, great. You know, she's a, she's a state Senator. She's not, you know, like a, a federal Senator, but it's, it's, in, it's very, it's very interesting how that, that kind of stuff is, is, is getting into the conversation. And, and, and I, I, I think the parrot, like, I think the parasite class, like, I think they're well aware of this. Like, I think they're, I think they know, they're in a giant rush. I think it's why they're having all these fuck ups and why it's not going very well. It's Cause they're in a giant rush because they know like the window where they can close out the great reset is, is, is it's, it's that window of opportunity is closing very fast. Um, and they're trying to ram it through. Yeah. I hope they keep making mistakes. Um, if you take a chance, I uh, take the time I should say to read, or in my case, I listened to um, the book by, uh, Robert Kennedy Jr., the real Anthony Fauci. Essentially, uh, he lays out a case that you could argue that Anthony Fauci and Bill Gates are mass murderers going all the way back to the AIDS crisis and that their actions, direct actions for personal profit, extended and probably made worse and literally killed millions of AIDS patients because of their greed. And, uh, and they just they just been running with the same playbook because they've been getting away with it. You know, like how does a guy named Anthony Fauci, you know, running a, a small department, what would have been a relatively small department in the federal government, uh, become the highest paid federal employee more than the president, you know, like it's incredible, but he ended up with a shit ton of power because he was able to give out millions of dollars to cert- in certain directions. And those, places that got that money they turn around and become loyal and that's why so many people have held the narrative of you know the the whole covid mask of social distance you know plexiglass barriers everywhere billions of dollars in stickers that got put on floors trying to keep people six feet apart i mean the absurdity and the misallocation of money because of the manipulation of information is off the charts it's it's mind-boggling to me what what took place in the last few years and and it did. How did I get that? What was the topic that I just diverted off of? I don't know. I hope all that was relevant. I just lost my train of thought. Uh, I think it was "fuck the state" by Bitcoin. It always is. Yeah, I definitely like. I I know that's becoming more and more of a conversation, um, and I'm kind of hesitant to encourage it because. You know, the reality is we're, we're a minority, you know, and, and that, that's not to discount the power that we have in society. Like, I think anarchists ultimately 
have a tremendous amount of power and influence because we have the truth behind us. We have the moral high ground. We're the ones not supporting a system of industrialized murder, you know, ultimately is what's happening. But because we're a minority, we're the ones that will probably end up on the gallows. And that has been historically, you know, the truth. And so like when Wendy Rogers goes out and starts talking about that, what she's saying is she, she's supporting the idea of, you know, putting her political rivals on the gallows. Um, and yes, you know, these people, I don't, are I don't think, I don't think our opponents will be in a position to run gallows. So I don't, I actually don't, I actually don't worry about that too much. Like I, I think we've already seen the absolute height of state power a while ago. I mean, and it gets better from here. I, you know, I, I tend to agree with that. Like in, in, in the long run, yes. In the short term, no. Um, I mean, the Constitution, you know, ultimately doesn't matter. You know, the police can kill you. They can target you just based on the fact that you offended them. Um, and they have legal protection to do so. And if the media covers for them, there's not a lot that can happen. And, like, what we saw is, like, during the 2020 riots, um, was the National Guard going out in you know, potentially being put in a position where they would have to fire on, you know, American citizens. And there's a lot of people in positions like that that are willing uh, to do that if, if given in what their mind is a justified reason to uh, without much thought or decision. So it's definitely like something that I'm concerned about, you know, and afraid to encourage because, you know, what happened in the French Revolution uh is they put everybody on the guillotine and it was just cancel court culture run amok. And if he stepped out of like that mob mentality is uh kind of terrifying. So the, the approach that I more so suggest is, uh, you know, trying to prevent things like this from ever happening again. Um, because I, I just don't know, like, in the long run, you know, three or four generations down from the line, like, how beneficial it would be, ultimately. Like, you, you take these people's power away uh, so that they can't continue to perpetuate these awful atrocities. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's not that it wouldn't be justified to do that. I'm not saying that. Like, and th- this is what I tell people. Um is that like when you go and you support these politicians, you're essentially supporting war criminals and it's evil. Like Fauci's a murderer. Bill Gates is a murderer. So is George Bush. So is Reagan. So is Clinton. You know, and you just go down the line. I don't know if that makes sense. Yep. They are definitely all murders. They all have blood on their hands because they ordered other people to do things that caused the death of innocent people and they'll never get prosecuted. And these drug manufacturers, oh man, it's, it's scary what could be coming down the road. Um, I, I'm now hearing talk that these jabs people have been voluntarily taking and celebrating could be altering immune systems and creating another AIDS epidemic. Uh, you guys hear anything like this? Uh, like, you know, the body can't come back from it. People are perpetually sick now. And 
man, this could be a mass culling of the sheeple that we end up seeing. What is it? I saw death rate for 25 to 60 year olds is up like 40%. Insurance industry is freaking out. Um, for, I, I, I got in, 400%. Oh, I don't know. Whatever it is, it's way outside the, the actuarial, statistical, logical, you know, normal, normal death rate for, you know, I mean, they've been keeping records on this stuff. This is the most, most accurate prediction uh, that any anybody makes in society is like insurance companies knowing about how often a person at a certain age dies because they the statistics are so easy to do that it's pretty foolproof um, when life goes along normally people die at an average rate and you can charge enough to cover your costs and always make money it's it's just a proven simple simple thing based on statistics but when you have a, a giant change in the normal patterns that they can't adjust ahead of time for now they're going to look to deny claims they're going to find ways and forget about getting new insurance if you want to get life insurance and you've got that jab guaranteed they're going to be denying people straight up one of these days soon like you won't even be able to get insurance because they know they're going to it's going to be too obvious it already is to anybody who's got their eyes open that shit's killing people all over the fucking world i can't believe they actually like attempt to deny it or like act like it's not there you know like what was Foo fighters drummer that's trying to throw around that he uh he, you know drugs killed him meanwhile he was complaining a heart you know what do you believe he's complaining of chest chest pains and you know i don't know this is insane and he was forced to get the shot dave Grohl was a murderer he forced his bandmate to take a chemical nobody knew would do anything and i bet it killed him and i hope they prove it and so what happens to Dave Grohl now? Like, is he, you know, like, it's like a business saying, if you don't get this injection, you lose your job. It's incredible. And the government's in, encouraging it. They're like, uh, Steve, what did you call it? A planned demolition? What was that? Calculated? What did you call it? Con it's happened. Controlled Control demolition. demolition. Thank you. Right. The, the people who run government, and, you know, people want to say the government. I hate saying it that way because to be accurate it is people human beings without a soul who are orchestrating shit and laughing and rubbing their hands together like evil dr no in the james bond movie or something <laughs> look at the sheep or what we got them doing it's fucking disgusting man but they get away with it because they control money and enforcers yeah yeah, no, that's well said. Um, Skeef, uh, his app crashed, and he's trying to get back in. I think he needs to leave and come back. Yeah, and it really goes to show right now the courage. Like, right now it's cool to talk about, like, how bad the vaccine is and it's appropriate to but there there have been people out there that have been on this since day one and have been very vocal against it and the amount of courage that it took uh for them to refuse this um you know potentially losing their job uh you know being scorned by their entire society and i think like for everybody that didn't get it probably 
had extremely uncomfortable conversations with their family, uh, maybe potentially got uh, removed um, or not allowed to go to family gatherings, stuff like that. And, you know, it really goes to show, like, how easily it is to mold and co-opt a society. And for as terrible as, uh, what's that guy's name? He wrote uh, Manufactured Consent. Noam Chomsky, as terrible as he is today, um, uh, that book was uh, fantastic. Oh, I don't know where Skeef went. But, yeah, I mean, it is terrible to watch what's happening. And, like, when you experience it, like, if you've had it, a coworker die suddenly um, that was young or, you know, a friend or family member or just even, like, seeing the adverse impacts of it. It's just awful to watch. Hey, guys, I appreciate y'all having me. I'm getting out of here. Got to hit the bed. Love y'all. Take it easy. Hey, have a good one, Rope. Have a good one. Skeef, are you back? Yeah. You know, it's what's interesting. What's really interesting about the quote unquote anti-vax community is they're almost always individuals that have either had bad reactions from vaccines or their kids have. And I, I've said this a few times, um, but essentially what happened to a lot of them that are in this position is that, they, they have them or their kids have this terrible experience and then they get gaslit by doctors and ridiculed by the media and excluded from society in different ways. And there's a reason why, you know, there's this community. Honestly, with my family and I, it was just, we're not fucking stupid. <laughs> but no, I agree with you. Like, it's, it's, um, uh, hard to fight some of these people that live and die because it's been a culture of brainwashing for generations now. And uh, when your parents and your parents and their parents and everyone keeps telling you the same thing, you are honestly believe your whole life. So it's hard to break that system for some people. Yeah. But doctors have been. I think the culprits in the problem of a lot of things for a long time. And people don't see that. Yeah, 100%. Where did the opiate yeah. epidemic really start? It started from doctors. Yeah, they're definitely conflicted. Look at cigarettes. Cigarettes, doctors used mm -hmm. to tell people they were good, and you can go back with even further and further. Yeah, you follow the money. That's all. Why aren't doctors telling? everyone about how all the pesticides and the chemicals are killing everybody and why aren't they stopping that from happening it, it, it doesn't make sense and why aren't they why is people to get off ego why does it cost so much money why is it like the most expensive fucking shit in the world to prolong everyone's life that's stupid doesn't make sense I hate all that shit stop fucking lying god fucking damn it I'm getting pissed now
Skeet, if you got any thoughts on the, the Bill Gates poison. Uh, that was an excellent sound drop, first of all. Um, no, nothing, nothing, nothing new. <laughs> yep. Well, this is, you know, it kind of goes to why it's so important to surround yourself, to be careful with who you surround yourself with. Because there's a lot of people out there peddling dangerous misinformation that wants you to get jabbed and potentially die. Well, we're about two hours in. Um, you got anything to shell anybody on stage? I do not. With as little KYC as possible. Perfectly none. Yeah. Skeef and Jim, you guys are going to be in Miami? Yes, sir. Yeah, we're sharing a place with a few other dirtbags. It should be fun. Just go to a lot of side events. Um, I'm going there for the socializing, really. Um, I'm hoping to catch a couple talks of people I know and people who I think are interested because at least there are some really good speakers that are actually going to be there. And so, I, you know, for anybody who's been listening the whole night, I, I kind of trashed it a little earlier. And there's a lot of pointers and shit talking that's going to go on there but there's some value there as well and there's definitely value in hanging out with like-minded people which I know I'm going to be doing a lot of so that's uh, that's worth it to me yeah it's a collection of cool it's a collection of cool people and there's a big open source area so you can easily ignore all the bullshit yeah if anyone needs a homeless man's tour guide while you're here you just DM me Oh, hell yeah. Hey, you're going to be in the open source area. That's what I was thinking. I'd spend a lot of time. Uh, yeah, I actually, I wasn't planning on going and then I got a, I got a pass for free. So. Oh, good for you, man. Cool. So yeah, maybe you can go thing. if you want and you might as well hang out. And if you don't like it, you go do something else. There's going to be so many things to do. Although during the conference days, I think there'll be less things for simply the reason that a lot of people are going to want to go. And so I figure I'm going to spend a decent amount of time walking around and you know, just seeing what goes on. You know, I, I've always been one for, uh, you know, in small doses, uh, large crowds of people, busyness, you know, loud music, concerts, festivals. It's all kind of fun, you know, as long as it's not every single day. Like, I don't think I could live in Manhattan or anything because it's really too busy. But, uh, you know, for a week around a bunch of people around Bitcoin and, and related stuff, not crypto, but the other related stuff, the cool stuff around Bitcoin. That, that's worth being exposed to. You know, so. And it's like a one, this is like a record-breaking thing for Bitcoin in the world. So I feel like it's historical. So like, yeah, I'll go and I'll be like a lemming and hang out with the, with all the special people. <laughs> nice. Popo, I, I get in late on the 31st. So I'll, I'll message you to see if there's anything going on, like first, second, third, something like that. Then obviously the rest of the week too. Oh, I'll be around definitely. Let's do it. Cool. Are uh, is there going to be parking lot con being facilitated? I already uh, have the, for sure. Let's go. <laughs> I already, I already have the uh, supplies uh, secured that'll be delivered in Miami. Nice. Uh, hope I at uh, at Bitblock Boom parking lot con was smoking weed in the parking lot. 
Um, I got a good. rental car, Steve, so we can get anywhere we need to go. We don't need to wait for an Uber. Oh, cool. Conferences on Miami Beach, so the parking lot isn't like a parking lot like that, per se, but we can just like hang outside and it'll be fun. Nice. Nice. I will not be going to that conference. I will be going to the Empower Conference in Houston. So if anybody wants to hit me up, um, I guess I get in tomorrow night. That's going to be Wednesday, Thursday. So I'm stoked about that. Talking Bitcoin. Um, Lurks in the comments says that he will be joining Parking Lot Con. That sounds dope. Um, But yeah. Lots of good Bitcoins there, Bitcoiners there, a lot of bends, which is unfortunate, but, you know, Bitcoin, the truth will win out. A um, couple things I got to shill, so um, Santos, uh, who gave me a tip earlier and hooked me up with this streaming tool, the lightning tool, uh, he will... Uh, be doing a presentation on discord tomorrow for the school of Nakamoto. I think it's the, the what's it called? Um, the school or wait, yeah. Lightning for businesses. So that's going to be pretty dope. Um, I'm going to try and hit that up on discord since I can't be there in person, but yeah, we're rolling with uh, Arizona. We're setting the example and it seems like it's, kind of catching on around got some DMS this week from meetup organizers wanting to get on board with Azteco, um, trying to get Azteco terminals that have them at least one at every meetup. Uh, we've been pretty successful, uh, so that people can start buying ethical Bitcoin and not deal with these bullshit exchanges, um, and KYC laws. Um, so that's exciting, and you know, I got to branch out this week and go to this event uh, with Lynn Albrecht and sell a bunch of Bitcoin uh, for cash to uh, a bunch of you know pretty base people uh, that weren't necessarily Bitcoiners. So I think there's a lot of a lot of benefit to that of orange pilling people that you know are are there um, and kind of get it and are not diehard status. Uh, but yeah, I think that is all I have to shell, but yeah, I mean, it feels good to get out there and, and build things. And I, I think like there's a lot of people out there on Twitter who like to comment and, and shit and, but which is great and all, but you also want to back it up by actually doing productive things in your community and getting Bitcoin out there. So it feels good to do. Uh, but yeah, thank you everybody in the comments. Thanks for the tips tonight. A uh, couple final comments. Uh, Don says PoolCon at uh, BitBlock Boom. Zorn says, will there be booth groupies at the parking lot con? Um, yeah, maybe Maybe you guys could try and get the Compass Girls out there. And Don says, LobbyCon 2020 BitBlock Boom. So... Thanks for every, I'm going to keep the spaces open for a little bit if anybody wants to hang out and chat. Uh, but thanks everybody for tuning in to another episode of Toxic Airways presented by Dennis Porter as well as um, Dirtbags Bar, the greatest bar in Tucson, Arizona. And Ben. No, not Ben. Not presented by Ben. <laughs>
Unlike uh, someone who just joined, uh, we don't run a compromised uh, podcast show. Yeah. Yeah. I'll see everybody next week and have a good one. Thanks, guys. Good night, Ben. Ha, ha, ha.